at Keswick School, there are many farmers' children that go through that school and quite a few of them don't do well academically because they don't want to be at school. They prefer to be back on the farm with the sheep. One farmer I met a couple of times, James Rebanks, um, wrote a book about five or six years ago called The Shepherd's Life. He left school with no O-levels. But then he got interested in reading and started to devour books. He took himself off to college at Penrith and said that he would like to do three or four A-levels. And they said, but you haven't any O-levels. He said, it's just for my own interest. He did so well in his exams that he took a place at Oxford University. But he is back on his farm. The only place for him because he loves what he does. I helped a sheep farmer in Matterdale when we were in Borodale and, uh, and that was on a neighbouring farm to James Rebanks. I would mark the farmer's sheep, I would lug their ears with a number and uh, I would take his quad bike onto the fells with the dog on the back feeling the real McCoy to round up the sheep. It was great. But I can remember being with Mason one day walking along this track and he stopped me and he said, listen Terry, and he used these words, there's a sheep crying. There's something wrong with its lamb. And I thought, what a wonderful picture of the Good Shepherd. Candid Camera, the TV program some years ago, went to this very um, uh, posh school. And, um, and the Candid Camera people posed as a uh, as career consultants amongst the students. And some of these students were brilliant and they had to do tests and interviews. And one young man eagerly awaited the consultant's um, verdict. And surely would, it, they would tell him that he would be a college principal, a research scientist, a company director. But you should have seen the look on his face when the advisor said, after evaluating your tests and interviews, I've decided the best job for you is a shepherd. The student didn't know whether to laugh or cry. After all, who in his right mind would want to be a shepherd? Why devote your life to stupid sheep who can't find their way home? Yet many of the greatest men have been shepherds. John in chapter 10 focuses on the image of sheep, sheepfolds and shepherds. Judea was a pastoral rather than agricultural country. No flock of sheep would graze without a shepherd or shepherds. And so when Jesus referred himself to the good shepherd, nothing could have been more familiar or topical to these people. In the Old Testament, God was sometimes referred to as the shepherd of his people. Was Jesus then claiming to be God by using this phrase? Because Isaiah had spoken of God's anointed one who would feed his flock like a shepherd. And there's something very attractive about the Eastern shepherd. Dr. William Barclay quotes the late Sir George Adam Smith's words 
about the shepherds in Palestine. On some high moor, across which at night the wild animals howl, when you meet him the shepherd, sleepless, far-sighted, weather-beaten, leaning on his staff and looking out over his scattered sheep, and he said this, every one of them on his heart. And this is the picture of the Good Shepherd. Every one of us on his heart. And we see an attractive picture of someone who was watchful and resourceful, courageous, loving and patient. Palestine sheep were mostly kept for their wool. Eastern shepherds, therefore, would stay longer with their sheep. And a close relationship would develop. The shepherd knew his sheep by name. We read this in verse 3. And the sheep were able to distinguish between the voice of the shepherd and the stranger. He knows them individually. He knows their weaknesses and strengths. If he doesn't, he can't help them. Our shepherd knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows every, every failure and sin. He knew it back there at Calvary. He paid the price. His eyes are always on us. I remember going with Mason and I was always amazed. He'd have these probably a thousand sheep with, and, and lambs and, and, and ewes. And he knew every mother of every lamb. He could pair them off just like that. It was amazing to see how he knew where each ewe and each lamb were, were, were mother and, and, and baby. There was one shepherd in Scotland in 1953 who was watching the sheep from a ridge 1,500 feet high. He had his binoculars with him as well as a crook and a rifle. At that time they were inundated with foxes. And from the top of the fell he saw a fox working, working this flock better than a sheepdog. And this fox was, was pushing the sheep towards a boggy patch where it could go in for the kill and get the lambs. And these sheep were distressed and troubled as they were trying to protect their lambs. Their world was turning upside down. The fox was about to go in for the kill when the shepherd did a simple thing, he put two fingers to his mouth and whistled, and the fox went. You see, his eye was on the sheep all the time. He knew the precise time to shield them from danger and harm. He watches you and me. He knows our situation. You can rest in the arms of this good shepherd. He gives security. I read of five shepherds in Palestine watering their flocks at, spring, at the spring and the sheep were all mixed together. And then when the sheep had been well watered a most interesting thing happened. First one shepherd called his sheep lifted their heads and followed him. And then another shepherd called and his sheep lifted their heads and followed him. And then the next, until five shepherds were walking in different directions, each followed by his own sheep. 
you see the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. And I hope we recognize this good shepherd's voice as we read the scriptures when he speaks to us out of his word. The sheep follow him as the shepherd walks out in front. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus is doing? Calling people to follow him. Follow me. And they left their nets and followed him. In the Western Isles of Scotland, in Harris and, and Lewis, when the revival happened there in, 19, in the 1950s, the people there no longer talk about people becoming Christians. But they say they have begun to follow. They have begun to follow. I think that's a lovely phrase. They have begun to follow. The shepherds lead his sheep from one sheepfold to another over difficult and dangerous countryside sometimes. And as he leads his sheep over the rough ground, the only sheepfold for the night was a roughly made wall. And the shepherd himself was the door, lying down across the narrow opening to the fold, ready to defend his flock. Sometimes a shepherd will be given a sheep as part of his wages. If you go to a sheep or lamb sale, you will often find that a little lamb will come in and the auctioneer will say, now here is a shepherd's lamb. It was a gift from the owner of the sheep the man is shepherding for. And because it had been a gift to him, it meant a great deal to him. No lamb was better looked after than the shepherd's lamb. And so with Jesus, we are the Father's gift to him. We have been gifted to him and bought by him at a very high price. He gave his life for the sheep. Many of the Jews who listened to Jesus were, were longing for a leader and a shepherd. They wanted someone to guide and protect them. As Jesus once said, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And much of the unrest in the world today is for precisely the same reason. When Jesus said to the crowds, I am the good shepherd, he was promising to be a leader to his people and to give them that security and satisfaction. And unless we see a turning to Christ and people knowing the peace he brings, we'll never have peace in our world. I am the door, said Jesus. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Sheep need security of the sheepfold. A young boy was told by a bully at school. The bully made his life a misery. And one day in the playground, the bully was giving him a hard time. The young lad looked up and saw his older brother coming. The young lad looked. And so he ran behind his brother for safety. From his safe hiding place, he said, Now come on, you big bully. You see, he was safe behind his brother. And Jesus is the door of entrance. But he's also the door of safety. If we abide in him, Satan cannot harm us. For first, he must reckon with Jesus before he can get to us. 
Many of the Jews had no sense of security. Politically, they were an occupied country. Religiously, their leaders were like hired shepherds who were more interested in position and the pay packet than the well-being of the flock. They provided for themselves and protected themselves. The thieves and robbers referred to the false messiahs, the false prophets, of which there were many who were trying to steal away their people from this true relationship with God. The true shepherd came to save the sheep, but the false prophets came to exploit the sheep. And there's no security in religious leaders who have not come to Christ and who destroy a person's relationship to Jesus Christ by destructive teaching and inconsistent lives. Some years ago, Dean Furlong said this, Jesus and John the Baptist were mistaken and misguided, end-time prophets. Jesus was neither a mediator nor a saviour, neither superhuman nor divine. The time has come to leave Jesus in his place in history and to move on. The Bishop of Durham became a bit of a joke in this country many years ago. But you see, it wasn't a joke for those Christians overseas who were being persecuted for their faith and being told by their Muslim neighbours that even their church leaders didn't believe what they were believing. It's not surprising, for Scripture says that in the last days this will happen. And it was Paul who said to the Ephesian church, Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. There's no security in those false messiahs who promise a new age, an exciting life apart from Jesus. Many make promises today in some philosophy of life. Let's not be taken in, but we need to test these things. And Jesus teaches there is no security apart from him. When we belong to Jesus, we shall hear his voice and he will speak to us personally and lead us and go before us and we shall know his voice and know when others would draw us away. This security and safety in Jesus Christ is possible only because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's well known that those who attack Christianity will often do so on the grounds that it's narrow. And if a person becomes a Christian, they will forfeit their enjoyment of life. Jesus says the opposite. Those who come to draw us away from him are those who come to steal and kill and destroy Those who come to Jesus are promised the security of being saved and delivered from spiritual death and the satisfaction of going in and out to find pasture, satisfaction and freedom. I came, said Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. The non-Christian hasn't even started to live. In Braveheart, it says this, everyone will die, but not everyone can say, 
that they have lived. Some years ago, a church member said, having been brought up in the philosophy, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die, I was determined to get the most out of life. I joined clubs, went to night parties and lived a constant whirl of social activity. To my friends, I really seemed to be living, but deep down inside I knew it wasn't true. I became more and more dissatisfied and life seemed pointless. Then I heard about the new life that Christ offered. Somehow I knew that this is what I needed. And so I asked Jesus into my life to renew and to give it direction. Since then, I have known increasing satisfaction and fulfillment more than I had ever known before. And as we follow the shepherd, however hard the way, he will lead us to find more and more satisfaction in him. As the good shepherd, Jesus Christ died for the sheep. But in Hebrews chapter 13, it talks about the great shepherd. He lives for the sheep in heaven today, working on their behalf. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, we read about the chief shepherd. He will come for the sheep at his return. Our shepherd cares for his own in the past, the present, the future. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. Our great high priest is also our great shepherd. When he was on earth, he worked for us. When he died for us and rose again and completed that great work of salvation. Now he's in heaven and he's working in us to mature us in his will and bring us to a place of spiritual perfection. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21, it says this, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good. Or, The old translation says, make you perfect. This was a familiar word for many people. The doctors knew this word because it meant to set a a broken bone. To fishermen, it meant to mend a broken net. To sailors, it meant to fit a ship out for a voyage. To soldiers, it meant to equip an army for battle. And our shepherd wants to, wants to equip us for life on earth tenderly. He wants to set the broken bones of our lives so that we may walk straight and run life's race. He wants to repair the broken, the broken nets so that we might catch fish and win people for him. He wants to equip us for the battle and fit us out so that he will, we won't be battered in the storms of life. He wants to mature us so that he can work in us and through us that which pleases him and accomplishes his will. 
David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. He had this wonderful relationship with his God. Some years ago, a man was taking a holiday in, in Wales and came across a little boy minding the sheep. The stranger talked with the, with the lad and asked him if he knew the 23rd Psalm. And the little fellow answered, no. Then let me teach you the first sentence, said the man. Say these words after me, the Lord is my shepherd. The boy repeated the words. Now repeat each word again. And count a finger as you do so, in the way he grabbed a finger at each of the words. And when you come to the, to the word my, grip your fourth finger tightly with your other hand. And never forget that the Lord is not only a shepherd, but he's your shepherd if you trust him. One day the boy was found with some of the sheep in a snowdrift. The boy had died. And his left fourth finger tightly grasped in his right hand. He'd remember that Jesus was his shepherd. Is he ours? 